Okay. Okay, so that concludes 20 minutes of silent meditation. I would encourage you to keep your eyes closed and join me in the third step prayer. We're going to do the prayer very slowly, very deliberately. And we're going to try to do what it says to do in each line of the prayer, in between each breath as we go through the prayer. So I'll, um, I will guide the prayer one breath at a time with a few breaths in between each line. So the first line of the prayer to me is the word God. So I breathe in God. And I take a few breaths and I continue doing what I think the prayer is asking me to do, which is to connect right here, right now with this thing called God. So I take a few breaths and I continue calling out or inwardly to this thing called God or higher power. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths. And I think about my commitment to what the prayer is asking of me, to offering myself to my higher power right here, right now. And I breathe in to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. take a few breaths and I see if I don't get a sense or a feeling or a knowing of what my higher power might want to build with me or do with me right now. And I breathe out, relieve me of the bondage of self And I take a few breaths and I try to see what it might feel like or sound like or be like if I truly had an no self, no stories, no old ideas, no opinions. If I just had a couple of breaths of a quiet mind. And I breathe in, that I may better do thy will. Again, I take a few breaths and I think about how much better could I do God's will if I had that quiet mind. And I breathe out, take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I think about my day so far today. 
and I think about what have been my difficulties. What has gotten in the way of me being the person that I think my higher power would have me be today? And I breathe in, that victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths. And I think about the people I might come in contact with the rest of today. And I think about how I might affect them if I truly was an example of God's power, God's love, and God's way of life. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer, may I do thy will always. And I allow myself to smile. And I picture myself doing God's will right here, right now, always. And whenever you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to continue to be aware of your breath going in and out of your body now that your eyes are open and allow yourself to become aware that you're seeing. Try not to get caught up in what you are seeing right now. Just allow yourself to become aware that seeing is happening. Breathing and seeing, maybe hearing. So, my name is Randy, and I am alcoholic. This is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. <laughs> uh, I say I'm alcoholic. What that means for me is that my body is allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again, ever, today, one day at a time. And I would just encourage you to apply that That allergy idea to the whatever your drug of choice is. If I drink alcohol, all bets are off. But that's not why I'm here today. I'm not here because I'm allergic to alcohol. I'm here because I have a mind that has a disease in it. And the disease is called alcoholism. And the disease evidently centers in my mind. And it's a disease that talks to me. And it talks to me in my own voice. And it shows up all throughout the day as an unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated, and can't stand the word no. That's why I'm here. Because if I'm not aware that I have alcoholism today, then alcoholism will be the power for my life. I will turn to alcoholism for the answers to all of my problems. 
and alcoholism will turn all of my problems into bigger and more complicated problems than they actually are. And it'll turn everything that's happening in my life into a problem because that's what it does. It says in the book, alcoholics are problem people. That's who we are. That's what my alcoholism does all day. It finds the problem in everything. And it shows up as unsatisfiable in every situation. Even when I get exactly what my mind told me was the thing, was the problem, that if I solved that problem, then I would be happy. Even when I get exactly what my mind told me in my own voice was the thing that would make me happy. When I get that, that same mind and that same voice says, oh, that's good, but we need this also. And it moves the target and it's never satisfied. Now, I say that and and then I always try to follow it up with this. I hope you don't have what I have. I hope that you were a heavy drinker or... Uh, a heavy drug user or a heavy sugar and flour eater. I hope that that you were just a heavy user of whatever it was that you used to distract yourself from your mind, but you don't have alcoholism. And I hope that you can stop whatever your your drug of choice is and that you can live happily ever after so long as you don't take that drug. That is not my experience. My experience is, is that the longer I'm away from my drug, The longer I'm away from alcohol, the more restless, irritable, and discontent I become. And that's actually what it says in the doctor's opinion. I thought that it said that alcoholics were uh, were restless, irritable, and discontent because I thought it said because we had alcoholism. But that's not what it says. It says alcoholics are restless, irritable, and discontent until they take the first drink. So the drink is the medicine that helps with the condition of being restless, irritable, and discontent. So the Saturday meeting, this Saturday, I do this meeting on Wednesdays and Saturdays on Zoom, and we have a in-person meeting on Sunday nights in LA, which I know every Sunday I say I'm not doing it anymore, and then somebody shows up and gets something out of the meditation, and I decide to do it one more week, one more week. So we're going to do it one more week, at least. Um, but the, the Saturday, the Saturday meeting is a step study meeting where we're going through the books and we're actually reading what it says to do and not do in the book. And then we're actually doing it. And so right now we're in the fourth step. And so what happens is, uh, most people don't do the work. And by the time we finish the fourth step, we're usually down to about six or eight people that are actually, that have done some of the work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so we started out with, okay, make a list, step four. So, okay, so real quick, you can't do step four without one, two, and three. It's impossible. So step one as a way of life today in this day right now, for those people that have never been to this meeting before, step one is I admit I'm powerless over alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again one day at a time. That's a principle can never drink it again, only because I'm allergic to it, not because it's good or bad. And my life has become unmanageable. The life that's become unmanageable is my inner life, my thought life, what goes on inside my head. And the thing that I get to practice in step one is admitting complete defeat. Because it asks many times, it says, who cares to admit complete defeat? Most of us don't like the idea of complete defeat. Our whole, te- our whole 
Society is sprung and flowered out of the taproot of admitting complete defeat. So I think having the repetition of that over and over and over again, that that, that is a principle that I'm going to need to live by. The principle of admitting complete defeat in this moment, and that's not alcohol defeat. It's complete. I'm a complete defeat at driving my car and being okay. I can drive my car. And most of the time I can get to where I'm going without hurting anybody on the outside. But on the inside, I want to kill people. Especially those that don't make lefts at a yellow light when I'm in a hurry. So, I'm a complete defeat at being okay as I'm making food for lunch. Because I want to eat a little bit of everything. And by a little bit, by a little bit I mean a lot. And I want to have unlimited supply for what I want at lunch. And I don't care. And so it's very challenging for me to put together a, a, a normal sized lunch that a normal person could eat and, and be satisfied with because I don't know anything about normal. So I'm a complete defeat at making my lunch. I'm a complete defeat at driving my car. I'm a complete defeat at talking to my wife and being okay. I can talk to her, but I can't be okay on my own power. And so at the end of the first step, I get to the place where I stand ready right here, right now in this meeting right now to do anything which will lift my merciless obsession. My merciless obsession today is not alcohol. It's to be self-satisfied. It's to have the right job or the right car, or the right girl or the right house or the right amount of money in the bank. That's what my merciless obsession is today. It's one of those things. Sometimes it's all of those things. And so when I stand ready to do anything which will relieve that self-talking, unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind, I get to walk into step two and I get to start coming to believe right now by turning my attention to a power greater than myself, that there is a power greater than myself, and that that power that's greater than me is the one that restores me to sanity. I have lost the job. That self-talking mind that's always coming up with the next idea of what would make me happy that is me trying to restore me to sanity. I have lost the job. I cannot restore myself to sanity. I'm going to have to come to believe that something else is going to restore me to sanity. And the way that I do that is by rightly relating myself to it. So I talk to it right here, right now. I say, God, could you be with me? Could you protect me from my mind? Could you help me to be the man that you'd have me be? Could you speak through me? Could you help me to sit in this chair? Could you help me? And I tell that power what all of my fears are, what all of my hopes are, what all of my ambitions are. I share my life with my higher power like I would share my life with a friend. And when I'm doing that, I'm not talking to the disease about what would make me happy right now. I'm actually asking a power greater than myself, what could I do for you today? What would you have me do right now? And that's a whole different conversation that's still going on within me. It's just that I'm coming to believe through that conversation that when I do that conversation with that higher power instead of with alcoholism, that I get sanity. I get a moment of peace. I get some quiet. My mind shuts up. It's not so painful. I'm not as restless, irritable, and discontent when I am in that relationship. And, and so I get a moment of peace. And when I have enough moments of peace from practicing step two in my life today, right now in this moment, when I have enough of those moments, then I can make a decision. 
right here, right now. I can make, I am qualified as an alcoholic with alcoholism. I am qualified to make the decision to turn my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions over to the care of God as I understood it. Because it's understood by me now that when I rightly relate myself to this higher power, I get a quiet mind. And when I have a quiet mind, I have better answers and better solutions. And I have no problems because when I have a quiet mind, there's nothing in me that's disturbing me. And I can enjoy this moment. And so today, right now, I choose to make that decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. And that's it. The program should only have three steps because that's fantastic. Now I'm in this relationship with this power. Now I'm all, I'm all turned and I'm with the power and everything's fantastic and I'm enjoying this moment. Only this one, just this one right now. No reference to any other moment. And then the phone rings and it's my brother. And I'm a little mad at that brother from something he did 25 years ago. He didn't support me in thinking that I would be a good bicycle racer. And so I stopped bicycle racing because of him and I still blame him for that 25 years. Well, now it's probably 50 years later to be perfectly honest. I was 13, so it's almost 50 years ago that that happened. And I resent him for that. And not for that because I think that he did that to me through my whole life. Through my whole life, he told me what I was not capable of and that it would be too hard for me. And so I quit doing everything because my brother told me I couldn't make it. Now, that's my story. That is 100% a made up story. Some of that might have happened, but my story is, is that the reason I'm a failure my whole life is because my brother didn't believe in me. He was uh, 12 years older than me, just so to put it into a little bit of context. But the phone rings, and I'm no longer in a relationship with my higher power. I am now in the past hating my brother for something that happened forever ago, which is completely insane because he's not in the room with me. He's not affecting my life right now. It's just a story. And most of it is made up. And I've done the work with this brother. So I'm just telling you what happens to me if I don't do the work. And so my resentments re-energize my alcoholism. So I'm going to have to work on these. Uh, I'm going to have to face them. I'm going to have to see the truth about my resentments. And I'm going to have to deal with them. And so we've done the first three columns as outlined in the book. We wrote down a list of all the people that bother me. All the people that when the phone rings, I think, oh my God. And I go back into my old ideas and my alcoholism is re-energized and now all of a sudden I'm mad again and nothing, nothing happened. I just saw a name on my phone and it made me mad. It reminded me of the, the old days. So I make a list of all the people that I resent, that I'm angry at, that I have, a, a, what is it called? A grievance against, a grievance. People in meetings, people at stop signs, people uh, in the grocery store, everyone. I write them all down. Everyone I can remember, everyone who pops into my mind. And I then I write down next to their name a list. So I take the first name, mom, and then I write next to mom a whole page or one sentence at a time, just the facts of what my mom did to me. 
Not the story about how terrible, or my brother. I don't tell the story about how my brother has uh, been negative and has held me back my whole life. I don't, that's a story. I write the things that I think that he actually did. He didn't support me at a bicycle race. He put me down for the girl I was dating. He made fun of the school I went to. He told me I couldn't rebuild a Volkswagen engine. And I can make a list of all the things that he did. And that's the second column. Then there's a little bit of work to do because I'm going to do these pages. I'm going to have to categorize those, all of those resentments. So I've got all those resentments and I categorize them into, into I put them into basically the five major boxes. One of them is uh, abandonment. One of them is disrespect. One of them is controlling. And then you have physical abuse and mental abuse. And those are basically the main five categories of doing this. And so, now I have my list and now I have my, my main categories and I put the first person on the paper and I write their name and I write their cause. And so some people are doing this as long as we're doing the work and we're not going very fast because we keep going back to the beginning and recapping everything. But these are the sheets. They're from the Big Book Awakenings way of doing the fourth step, just so you know where this is coming from. I did not come up with it. A man named Dan Sherman put the book together and uh, took me through the whole Big Book in eight months, every Wednesday for eight months, and we did the fourth step the way that I'm doing it now. Uh, and then, so I write who I'm resentful at, the cause, and then it, what it affects. And I don't just write down self-esteem or pride or ambition. I actually talk about how it affected my self-esteem, how it affected my pride, how it affected my ambitions, how it affected my securities. And I go through every single one of these on the front page. And then, so, and then it says this. I turn back to this list because it holds the key to my future. I'm prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. I begin to see that the world and its people really dominate me. In that state, the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real, I find through doing this process with myself and all of the people that I've worked with doing this, most of my harms are fancied. It's a made-up, make-believe story that I made up about what happened to me. It did not happen the way I think it did most of the time. In that state, the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill me. These resentments have the power to kill me. How could I escape them? I saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? I could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So this is my course. This is all in the book. I'm reading out of the book, by the way. Page 66. I've just turned it into I instead of we. Because we don't do the fourth step together. I have to do it. And I have to see this for my life. This is my course. This on page 66. This is my course. I realized that the people who wronged me were perhaps spiritually sick. Hmm. Maybe 
my brother was spiritually sick. Though I don't like the symptoms and the way they disturbed me, I don't like the way he treats me in his sickness. Though I don't like his symptoms and the way they disturbed me, him, my brother, like myself, is sick also. We're both sick. I have alcoholism. I don't know what he has. But I know he had the same parents I had, and I wasn't too fond of my parents. And as much as I ever resented my parents, my older brother, times 10, resented his parents. Times 10. He still hates them, and they've been dead for years. I asked God to show me the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend because he is sick like I am. So what I find in the realization on the back of the page is that I put people down. I squash people's ideas of what's possible in life. I've done it to him and I've done it to others. So this realization is one of the most important keys to letting go of the resentments, to mastering it, to getting rid of it, is to see that they, like myself, are sick. Not not sick like I'm sick and they're sick. No, it's specifically, I have put people down and stopped them the same way that he has put me down and stopped me in my mind. The same way that I think he has treated me, I have treated him and others. And that's the beginning of the healing. Because there's no way I'm going to be able to forgive anybody for the bad behavior that they exhibited unless I can see that they, like myself, that I do the same thing. And I can see it in 99.9% of the resentments that I have against people. When I look back at the list, when I carefully look back at the list, I see it. It's black and white. It's on paper. It's no longer a story in my mind that I can hide behind for all of my bad behavior. It's no longer a story that I can hide behind and blame all of my failures on somebody else. I think in looking back and the relationship that I have with my brother today, this is what I know about my brother. My brother would like to see me be the best brother I could be. He'd like to see me have major success in every area of my life. He actually would try to help me in any area of my life that I would ask him to help me. He would help me. That's what I know about my brother today. I just didn't like his approach to how he helped me. And I made up a story about how he helped me so that I didn't have to do the work to be the man that I thought I could be. And and then I could blame it on my brother. And that is a big chunk of truth that I'm going to have to swallow about my life. And again, the book says, those who do not recover, this is in how it works, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually, the ones that will not are people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. That's me. Because I have alcoholism, because of this self-talking mental illness called alcoholism that I have, I am constitutionally incapable of being honest with myself. 
And now in doing this, these pages, the way it's outlined, I am forced for the first time in my life to see myself in black and white. No story. Get it out of your head. Put it on paper. And the more you put it on paper, the more you'll see how you are a storyteller, right? I want to tell the story of how terrible my brother is because then I can continue to fail and blame it on him. And it's not me. I'm the greatest guy in the world. I would do it. But my brother said I can't. So obviously I can't because I'm damaged because of my brother. So I'm a failure because he was terrible. And that, that's it. Just so now get off my back. It's progress, not perfection. <laughs> I just throw that out there real quick. Because that sentence is so often used to say, leave me alone, I don't have to be perfect. And that's not at all what that sentence is about. We claim spiritual progress, not perfection. Everyone uses the not perfection as the get out of jail free card for I'm not perfect, so, so screw off, so leave me alone. All it's saying is that today, I need to practice some progress. I need to practice some progress. I need to open the book and read a paragraph. I need to meditate. I need to pray. I need to turn. A little progress, not perfection, just a little progress, but not not perfection, not I'm not doing this today because I'm not perfect. That's not what it says. So they, like myself, were sick. Then it tells me how to help them a little bit and me. When a person offends me, I say to myself right here, right now, or I say to God, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will, not mine, be done. Thy will be done. But, but I only am able to say that because I can see that I am sick like they are. I am sick like they are. I avoid retaliation and argument. Wow. When was the last time you avoided some retaliation or argument when somebody didn't do something that you thought they should do or they did something you thought they shouldn't do? No argument, no retaliation. As a way of life, God, please save me from being angry in this moment. Help me to not argue or retaliate. Help me to not prove my point. Help me to not be right, to let them be right and me be right at the same time. I wouldn't treat a sick friend that way. I wouldn't go into a person with cancer who's dying of cancer and, and beat them up for having cancer and argue with them and retaliate against them for having it. People do. If I do, I destroy my chance of being helpful. I cannot be helpful to all people, but at least God will show me how to take a kindly and tolerant view of each and every one. Have I been kindly and tolerantly today? Have I acted kindly and tolerantly, or did I find fault and argue and retaliate, even in my head? Because I do most of it in my head. On the outside, I'm smiling and nodding. On the inside, I'm arguing and retaliating. 
Okay, so here we go. We're going to move on a little bit. Referring back to my list again. Putting out of my mind the wrongs others have done. No more wrongs what the other person did to me. I've had the realization that I do it like they do it. So now I'm going to resolutely look for my own mistakes. Where had I been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and frightened? So, self-seeking. Where have I been self-seeking? Uh, I look around this whole resentment with my brother. Look around. What did I do? Where was I to blame? So, I talked bad about him behind his back. I took every opportunity I could to put him down. I tried to show wherever he was a failure to him and to others. I didn't listen to him when he talked to me. I disregarded him. I abandoned him. I didn't, uh, I, I abandoned him by, I don't want to be around you because you make me feel negative. But, so I didn't go to family events. I didn't go to things that were important to him. And those are facts, not stories. And so I look around my whole resentment. What did I do? Around my anger at my brother, what did I do? And I make that list of everything that I did. And then when I have that whole list, I look back at that list and I think, what was I thinking while I was doing that action? And so I can look at this example with my brother and I could say, I was thinking nobody puts me down and gets away with it. Nobody makes me feel like a failure and gets away with it. And that's what I used to justify all of my bad behavior around my brother. And I have some really deep personal things that I'm not going to share at a group level that I did to my brother that I am not proud of. Terrible things, but at the time, 100% justified because I had no idea that he was sick like I was. I thought he was sick and he needed to be taught a lesson. So that is the self-seeking and the selfish part of this adventure. And again, I know this is a little bit of a low point right now. <laughs> this meeting is, is intended to be meditative and prayer and positively uplifting. However, we're talking about the fourth step and that's, those two things are not possible because I'm looking at my faults. I'm looking at my shortcomings. I'm looking at my, not my shortcomings, but my character defects. And, uh, and the character defect is this, the dishonest. What were the lies I was telling myself in my selfish thinking above? So the lie I was telling myself was if I put my brother down, I will feel good about myself. If I can put others down, it'll make me feel good about myself. That's a delusion. That's a lie that I tell myself that I believe is true. That if I punish him enough, he'll respect me. It's another delusion. 
that I have. And the delusions are the character defects. The character defects are not the seven deadly sins. Let me say it like this. <clears throat> I am of the opinion that the character, de- the character defects are not my seven deadly sins. The seven deadly sins are the expression of my character defects. One of my character defects, I've talked about this a lot. One of my character defects is, is if I don't get the best job, if I don't get the best deal in a business situation, that I'm less of a man. That somehow, if you get the better deal, I'm less of a man. And so, I always have to push and try to get the best deal. And all my deals tend to blow up because no matter what you agree to, that must mean there's a better deal because you agreed to that one. And so in my mind, that can't be the best deal. So I keep pushing and all of my deals blow up. And eventually no one wants to do business with me. And then I become angry about work. Now that anger is not my problem. It's the fact that I can't do business in a normal way is my problem because of my delusion, because of the lie that I tell myself. And so that is the character defect, the delusion that needs to be removed so that I could do business with people. And I talked a lot today because we recapped everything and we went a little bit forward. And so I'm gonna stop talking now. We're gonna open the meeting up for sharing. If you want to ask a question about a realization that you have, uh, if, if you've done the work, that would be awesome. If you haven't done the work, uh, there are recordings on like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, there are recordings of going through the fourth, the fourth step and other recordings. Uh, and you could access those and, and catch up in the next week or two and continue on the fourth step because we're going to do the fear inventory. And we're going to do the sex inventory and we're going to finish this resentment inventory as well. So uh, that's it. I'm going to stop talking. I'm recording the meeting. As I just said, we make it available so people can listen to it again. If you want to ask a question or share about your experience with doing these pages and with the four step and with the realization, that'd be awesome. If you do share, it's being recorded. And please, please, please do not share anything at the group level that is a molestation or a rape or anything that's super personal because this is a group meeting and it's not appropriate. You share those with your sponsor or or someone you trust. Okay. So with that being said, the meeting's open. We're going to start with Scott. Hi, Scott. Thank you so much, Randy. Scott, definitely an alcoholic mod. Um, once again, thank you for what you do. You make an incredible difference in so many lives. Thank you. And really appreciate it. Um, as you started this a couple of weeks ago, uh, I looked at the list of people that I didn't for this work a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. How do you determine in trying to do step four mm. new? I'm sorry, the second time. How do you determine if the people in this on this list previously still need to be on that list? Um, I I can't say that I'm a hundred percent satisfied with the process before, but again, how do you determine 
do you not even look at the previous list? Yeah. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you don't look at the previous list. You sit down and you ask your higher power to help you to see who is in your mind today that you have resentments and grievances against. And I would generally say you start with your family, your immediate family, your parents, your siblings, your wife, your kids, and then you go to your work, and then you go to your AA meetings, and then you go out into the general public, and then you go back as far as you need to. It, it's, this is, this is, um, uh, the wrongdoings of others has the power to actually kill me. So I bet I better take a look at the ones that are popping up. Now I have to remember that this was when I was in alcoholism. So right now I might be treated and right now in my treated state, I love everyone. Everyone's beautiful. I have no resentments. Every time I sit down with the piece of paper and the pen, my mind says, oh, no, you've forgiven everybody. You're okay. You don't need to do this. And it's all a lie because the minute I walk away from my pen, they start going off like firecrackers in my brain. So carry the pen and the paper around while you're doing this and ask your higher power to help you see the truth about your resentments. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Do it, everybody that comes into your mind now. Why not? What else? You've, what better could you do than this? Tasha? Yes, Phyllis. I saw that little finger raise. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, I, this is really a little bit of an aside. I did a therapy called the Mago therapy. I don't know if you've heard of it, Randy. Uh, and it's very much like this. It's very much like this. It's really listening and hearing the other person. And then saying, I heard what you said, you must be feeling. And in that, there's a lot of compassion and forgiveness. And that's what this sounds like. I mean, as I'm doing it, mm -hmm. as I'm experiencing it, that's what I'm beginning to sense. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say, really. I mean, this is an amazing way of doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's spiritual that's surgery. That's that, all the story stuff. The, the story is like, oh, boy, I have to really let out this story. Oh, my God. This is fantastic, because after you've sat through a, a bunch of fifth step stories, it's like, oh, my God, please don't make me don't make me listen to another story. It's all the same story. And it's just a never ending story. And I can't do fifth steps anymore like that. I can't do it. So I can't I actually can't work with people unless they do it this way. It's that's just me. <clears throat> 
So, um, anybody have a page from last week? Anybody want to do one real quick in, in the group? Uh, Bia, yes. Hi, Bia. Thank you for being brave. I know. <laughs> You're awesome. We have to do Hi, this. Hi. Hi, everybody. So a couple of weeks ago, I started with my <clears throat> sister, and there were stories. Mm -hmm. So now I'm more clear. I don't agree with everything that you that the book says. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. Let's see what you got. She she still calls me a drug addict. Okay, so you're revengeful you're resentful at your sister. Because she's yeah. Because she, she calls you a drug, a drug addict. So you would call that disrespecting, right? So I would call that disrespecting and abusive. Okay. In front of people and you know, you're still you know, you're just a drug addict. Okay. Like that. And, you know, always um she always puts me down about my looks. My hair color's not right. My style's not right. Right. So again, it 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 is disrespectful. Okay. Um, she, my niece was living with me. When my niece turned sixteen, she she offered my niece a new car to move to Florida. Yes. My niece moved. She was 16. She was a kid. I couldn't buy her a new car. I paid for her private schools every day. I couldn't buy her a new car. She moved. My sister never bought her the new car. So not only was that manipulation, but it was so spiteful to me to do that to me. Like, she had a child. I didn't have a child. So she took and, your child and, away. And I hate her for that. So she took your I child do. from you. Yeah, she took my, I mean, my kid came back, but later on, it was a long story. I won't go into that, but she took my kid. Okay, so that's so what you resent her I, I don't, you know, I, years later, I went to um, school at UCLA, and in one of my classes, the teacher defined my sister. So that gave me some compassion. She has personality disorders. I know that. She mentally, um, you know, she has, so do I, but they came out different. With me, they came out in addiction. With her, she's got all the isms, right? But she's not an alcoholic. She's okay. not a I drug addict. I don't, I don't want to know. I can't. You want to tell me the story of your sister so bad. Okay. I don't care I about do. your sister. I can't help your sister. And I'm not going to be able to help you with your sister by knowing about your sister. Okay. I, I, but I can understand that she, she manipulated your child away from you. That I can understand. And that's as much as we need to go on to work on this resentment because the rest of that is all a story about your sister that you have made up. And it's, it doesn't matter because we're not fixing your sister. We're fixing you around your sister. So your sister manipulated your niece to leave your home. That you resent her for. I understand that. We can work with that. That that we can work with. Okay. 
she threw away my oil painting that someone made of me and my gemological microscope when she stole my mother's house. Okay. She cleaned it out okay. and threw away my stuff. Okay, she threw, threw away. away your childhood. She threw away your childhood. Okay, I can... Do you want me to go on? There's so many things. I mean, no, no. There's, there's a lot. And they all come down to um, disrespect, control, and mental abuse. Those okay. are the three things. All right, let's do one for disrespect. I'm resentful at my sister, the cause, disrespecting. She disrespected me. Okay. Now, what do you have under self-esteem? That it is my, well, it hurts my self-esteem. Okay. It. Okay. You're, it, you're not. It makes you're, me, it makes me, it makes me. Yeah. Revengeful, like. Oh, so she's responsible for your revenge. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. She makes okay. me want to retaliate or ignore yeah. her. It's her me. fault. It's her, you're the nicest person in the world. You would never retaliate if she didn't force you to. Right? I just want to understand true. what you're saying. That's true. Okay, good. All right. So now let's go back to what the book says about self-esteem. The role I've assigned myself. So in this relationship with your sister, the role that you assign yourself in relation to your sister is what? You're the best sister she could hope for. No. No, I'm not. Because I have retaliated. Okay. Are no, you the best? <laughs> so when it comes to your self-esteem around your sister, it makes me feel less than. No. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you in your relationship with your sister. Your self-esteem in regards to your sister. Are you, a, are you the worst sister she could have ever hoped for? Probably, yeah. Okay, then you have low self-esteem. Why are you mad at her then? If she says you're a drug addict and you're a drug addict, why does that make you mad? Because I've, I've changed. Oh, so you're a better sister today than you were then. Absolutely. Okay, in I'm today's world, in today's world, what kind of sister are you? Are you the I, worst I, sister? I, 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 are you a I'm mediocre a sister? I'm a supportive sister. Okay, I'm, I'm, the most, so I'm the most supportive sister she could hope for. Could you agree to that? Today? Yes. Okay, write that down under self-esteem. Most supportive, okay. And then what's your fear around that supportive? That I won't have a sister sister relationship. That's I try I want to have a sister relationship. Okay, why won't you have that relationship? Because you're I, not I a, can't have it. Because you're not a good enough sister. For her, exactly. Okay. Done. So your self-esteem around your sister is, I'm the most support, supporting sister she could hope for. And the fear is, is that you're not good enough. Yeah. Okay, we made it through the first one. There's no story in that. That's, that is the truth about how you feel about your sister. And that is the, the fear that you have associated with that truth around that self-esteem. 
That the fear is that you're not good enough, but inside you feel as if you are good enough. I think I am, yes. Of course, that's why you have the and, resentment. <laughs> and we haven't spoken since April. Fantastic. None of so, my that's I'm not ready. that's not a question on the page. Okay. So I don't need the answer to that question. Okay. 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 Thanks, Randy. All right, then then we're going to do this for every single one of these, but we're going to give other people a chance because there's only two minutes left. Sorry, thank you. Okay. We're going to continue doing this, and it's torture, and we're all going to do it because we all need to do it. Okay. Um, uh, Lisa, hi, Lisa. Hi. Okay, um, I'm resentful still at my husband. Not my first time here. Um, Has he didn't quit drinking when I did 10 years ago. And he uh, won't listen to me and do what I say. Okay, so those are two different things, right? Okay, all right. So you resent him uh, for I, not, I, wait, I wait. For not quit drink, quitting drinking. He said he would 10 years ago with me. Okay, so what would you call that? Was that would that He's be a liar. So, Okay, for lying to you. You resent your husband for lying to you. Yep. Okay, we're going to go with that. Let's go with that. For lying to you about not drinking. Okay. Self-esteem. I'm the best recovery wife ever. That he could hope for. Perfect. And what's your fear? I'm not emotionally sober and I'm the worst wife ever. <laughs> that you're not good enough. Okay. okay. Perfect. Um, others should see what a miracle in sobriety I am. Okay. I'm not, I'm not seen, not forgiven. Okay. Ambition, what um, I wanted to happen here. I wish I had my glasses, sorry. Um, the ambition is, um, I want my husband to listen. Am I in the right place here? I, I want him to listen and recognize me and then give me my alcoholic medal daily. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I want a medal. Okay, all right, so I have to stop you now. Uh, I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna do. This is what we're gonna do next week. We're gonna have do the work, do a couple of these pages. Everybody do a couple of these pages. Come back next Saturday. And what we will do next Saturday is we will just work on your pages. One page at a time, we'll work on your pages. And uh, that's what we'll do. And I'm sorry that we didn't get to everybody. And um, we'll do this next week. And I'm not even going to talk. We're going to meditate. We're going to do the third step prayer. And then we're going to start on the pages. And we're going to go through some pages. So everybody, but you got to do the pages because listening to other people's pages is interesting, but it will not help you with your own. It'll, it'll help you do your own one day, but why not today? Why not today? So do the pages. Listen to the recordings if you need to, if you need to go back and see what, what's missing. And uh, it's all there. And I'm going to put this one up. Uh, it'll be up by tomorrow if my web guy's around. And it should be up by tomorrow. So I appreciate you all so much. And I appreciate you sharing your lives with me and allowing me to go through your four step with you. Because every time I do this, I get more insight about my resentments. And uh, I don't want to die of alcoholism. I want to live. And I want to live happy, joyous, and free. And I love my life today because of this work. And, and you're helping me so much. So I appreciate you all. 
So I'm going to stop again and we're going to do a, a moment of silence and then I'm going to make it so you can unmute yourselves and then we'll do the third step prayer. And I appreciate all of you that put up stuff in the chat. I can't sh do lead the meeting and chat at the same time. I'm, I'm too, too simple. Okay, moment of silence. Okay, so God, oh, you can unmute yourselves if you want. Uh, God, 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 the serenity, 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 the Thank you, Randy. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, Randy.